invite you to open your Bible with me tonight to the book of Psalms. And tonight we're looking at Psalm 72. It's been our habit the past few years to spend some time in the summers, uh, in the uh, Sunday evenings, looking at uh, the Psalms. And we are to Psalm 72, a Psalm of Solomon, uh, the last song in the second book of the Psalter. Uh, a Psalm that really, if you're looking for a New Testament a context or phrase, uh, I think the Lord's Prayer, um, thy kingdom come, uh, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, would, is a, a fitting phrase th- to think of as we read this prayer of Solomon in which he uh, prays not only for his own reign, but you'll see the, through the language uh, of the psalm that he's praying for something far greater than just God's blessing for his reign. He's praying for a great king, an eternal king, uh, whose dominion is from sea to shining sea, uh, and who exercises righteousness and brings about the kingdom of God in all of its fullness. And so uh, this is a poem, a, pr- a prayer and a poem, and uh, we're meant to, to feel his yearning as he, as he writes this, his, his longing for the king that God will send uh, who will make, who bring the kingdom of God and right all that's wrong in the world. And so let's give our attention to Psalm 72, a Psalm of Solomon. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people, give deliverance to the children of the needy, and crush the oppressor. May they fear you while the sun endures as long as the moon throughout all generations. May he be like rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days may the righteous flourish and peace abound till the moon be no more. May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May desert tribes bow down before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and of the coastlands render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all kings fall down before him. All nations serve him. For he delivers the needy when he calls, the poor and him who has no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence, he redeems their life, and precious is their blood in his sight. Long may he live. May gold of Sheba be given to him. May prayer be made for him continually and blessings invoked for him all the day. May there be abundance of grain in the land. On the tops of the mountains may it wave. May its fruit be like Lebanon. And may people blossom in the cities like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever. His fame continue as long as the sun. May people be blessed in him. All nations call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. Let's once again ask the Lord to bless this word. Well, Father in heaven, tonight as we come to this prayer of your servant Solomon, Lord, I I pray that you would stir in our own hearts a longing for Jesus, a longing for his reign in our homes and our hearts, a longing for his reign throughout all the world and forever and ever, that we would hunger for the day when Jesus Christ returns to make all things new. 
And Lord, live in uh, this world today in the confidence that there's none above him and none before him. All of time is in his hands. For his throne it shall remain and ever stand. And Lord Jesus, we ask that you would bless us now as we seek to understand uh, your beauty, your goodness, your, your sovereign rule and reign over us and over this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as I said, uh, Psalm 72 is a psalm about a king, but it's, it's a psalm about more than that. It's, it's, a, it's a psalm where a Solomon is, he's hungering for everything a good king brings, all the blessedness and richness and goodness that comes from a, a sovereign and righteous ruler. Uh, we don't have kings, of course, in our uh, country. Um, we do have presidents, and we have administrations, and we, we uh, can understand the impact of policies, both good policies and bad policies. Uh, every time I fill up my gas tank now, I bemoan um, the policies that, uh, to my limited understanding, are costing me a whole lot of money. And, and uh, yearning for a day when uh, we can be you know, paying quite a bit less at the gas pump. Now, that's a very, very minor thing, but a very real thing. But imagine living in a country like Haiti, a place where uh, you've known nothing but devastation, despair, misery, hopelessness, and the vast majority of it because of corruption in uh, the political uh, realm. Um, it is a country that, as you know, is right alongside Dominican Republic. They, they live on the same island. And, and Dominican Republic in many ways is flourishing and Haiti is continually a place of just desperate poverty and misery because of different leadership, largely. I think about living as a Christian in, in pre-World War II Germany or during the World War when you saw the devastating power of a wicked ruler like Hitler or maybe living in, uh, in Russia during the era of Stalin and, and Lena or in Cambodia during Pol Pot. You could just go on and list uh, the, the, the names. And of course, it's, it's still going on today. There are, there are people all over the world today, uh, North Korea, um, Afghanistan, people who are, are, are suffering tremendously because of wicked rulers, wicked kings over them. And in that context, uh, there's a groaning that goes up from creation. Uh, there's a groaning that goes up from God's people, longing for a righteous king, longing for the reign of God to, to break into this broken, fallen, and wicked world. Uh, we, we want a we king who cares for the needy, and a king who is wise and just, and protects the vulnerable, and works the righteousness of God in the world. And so this is a, this is a, a prayer written by Solomon 3,000 years ago, a prayer for his reign, but it's, it's much more. It's, it's an expansive prayer that asks for things Solomon could never accomplish. Uh, he's praying for an eternal king, verse 17, who exercises universal dominion, verse 8, provides everlasting blessings. And that's why this psalm has been understood by both a Jewish and Christian scholars to be um, a psalm that is looking forward to the Messiah, the promised son of David, um, the one who will establish the eternal kingdom of God. And as citizens of this fallen world, uh, living amidst the ruin of the demonic powers of the, of, of the age, uh, who live under the destructive policies of wicked men and women, this psalm invites us to long for a day when the world will be as it ought to be, when Jesus Christ will descend from the clouds of heaven and usher in the eternal kingdom of life and light. 
Um, as, a po- as a poem and, and prayer, this, this psalm is not meant to be dissected as much as it is to be experienced or relished. It's meant to train our emotions. It's, it's meant to, to move us to long for the day of the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, to have a, a deep confidence in, in the reign of Christ and an eager expectation for the day when, uh, that, that when he will come again and, and make things as they ought to be. We tend to just get focused on our day-to-day life, don't we? We tend to focus on the, the particular trials that we're experiencing right now or the opportunities or uh, um, just our families and our businesses, our jobs, our, our health, whatever it might be. And none of that is, is inappropriate. And yet, uh, the Bible constantly wants us to lift up our heads as the people of God. Lift up your heads. Your redemption is drawing nigh. Um, the Bible wants us to be people who are longing for the day when Jesus Christ will appear, who have set our hope on the things that are yet to come. And this psalm helps us to do that. We're going to be looking then at this king as David portrays him. First, um, a righteous king. Verses 1 and 2. Uh, introduce the primary prayer of the psalm. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. Uh, that word righteousness keeps springing up in these first few verses. Um, that, that the king that Solomon uh, is praying for is, a, is, is to be a righteous king. And Solomon wants that for himself, and he wants it for the, the royal son that God will send. So here you have a man, Solomon, Standing here in the, in, in, on earth with his eyes fixed on heaven, uh, Solomon, notice, wants, um, recognizes that God is the great king of heaven and earth and wants God to uh, give the king your justice and your righteousness. Not just make him just, but Lord, exercise your justice and your righteousness through this man. This is, again, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done. The righteousness of God and the justice of God. uh, It's God's wisdom, God's um, commitment to do what is right, to do what brings him glory, to do what is is pleasing and good, the things that make life to flourish in the world. And, oh, Solomon longs for this this king to come, and may he judge, he says, verse 2, judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. A righteous king is a great blessing to the people. Verse 3, let the mountains bear prosperity for the people and the the hills in righteousness. Solomon sees a kingdom where people are flourishing under the blessing of God and under the rule of this righteous king. Verse 4, a righteous king exercises justice for the poor. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people and give deliverance to the children of the needy and crush the oppressor. In Israel's day, if you know the history of Israel, you know that when wicked kings ruled, people suffered, and usually the the poor suffer the most. They're mistreated in the courts. Uh, They are uh, left defenseless against the marauding bands uh, of of the Philistines or whoever it might be as they made their raids on Israel. They had no one to help them or to intercede for them, to stand for them or protect them. And it's the same, of course, today. Today. When wicked men rule, it is the poor who suffer the most. One of the great tragedies of the current war uh, between, with Russia and against Ukraine are the millions of people who will go hungry um, because they're not, uh, Russia is not allowing grain to be exported from Ukraine. I read this week a, a David Beasley, executive director of the World Food Program, said last week, right now Ukraine's grain silos are full while 44 million people around the world are marching towards starvation. 
This war is, uh, is going to have devastating impact upon so many poor, poor people around the world, people who, who um, will go hungry and some will die of starvation. Um, the grain sellers are full. The, the grain's not being shipped out. The harvest, whatever it is this year, will have no place to go. Uh, they don't have places to, to store it or to ship it. That's what's happening uh, in our world today. Uh, we need a righteous king in this world. We, we need a king who will defend the cause of the poor, uh, who will crush the oppressor, who will, who will bring an end to this sort of wickedness, this violence against image bearers of God. I hope you have a, a sense of just righteous indignation against the evil that we see in our world and a longing for Jesus to come and make it right. It's a prayer for an eternal and universal king. Again, in verses 5 through 7, the second stanza, um, Solomon's praying for something more than just himself. He's praying for a king who will reign as long as the sun endures, as long as there's a moon. In other words, forever, through all generations. And a king uh, who, in, in that reign, in uh, the, that throne that is established, that will not be shaken, that will not be removed ever, that blessings will flow, that blessings like rain, he says, that falls on mown, mown grass. Uh, a king who will uh, make the righteous to flourish and peace to abound until the moon be no more. It's wonderful poetic imagery, language, uh, where we're meant to just see things the way they, were, they, they ought to be. And that's the longing of every Christian. We'd, what a small thing it would be to just pray, Lord, uh, give us reprieve from a poor administration and give us a better one. Well, what a, I mean, it's such a small vision. The best presidents are deeply flawed men who often make uh, lousy decisions and can only, in, at their best, accomplish a very limited amount of good. It's not what we need. We don't need a better president. We don't need a better administration. Think big. We need a, we need a righteous king. We need someone who's going to make the world the way it ought to be, to, to, to establish his eternal reign and, uh, and bring about the peace that only God can give and, and, and the justice that the world cries out for. Solomon prays for a king whose reign is everlasting and whose dominion is boundless. And, and that's the, the theme of, verse, of verses 8 through 11. May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Verse 11, may all kings fall down before him. All nations serve him. Solomon's empire, reign was the high watermark of Israel. It never got better or bigger than it was under Solomon. Um, but even then it was a very small empire. And a very limited empire. But Solomon believed that there was a coming king, the royal son that God had promised to David, whose dominion would be universal from sea to sea. And of course, that prayer has been wonderfully answered in our Lord Jesus, the son of David. The New Testament pages ring with the good news that Jesus Christ, the son of David, has ascended to the throne of his father in heaven, that the kingdom of our God and of his Christ has already begun and shall never, ever end. Jesus says, all authority and power has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. We live in a day when Jesus reigns as king, now, it doesn't, we don't experience all the benefits of that. In fact, we just experience a very small portion of the benefits of that. And yet we know that this world uh, belongs to Jesus. 
We know that Jesus is accomplishing his sovereign purpose and will. He's carrying out his mission of gathering in the elect and, uh, and bringing the, the course of human history to its completion until the day when the clouds be rolled back and he descends. And Jesus wants us to know that he's reigning on the throne today, that our lives are not being tossed about randomly in, in a world of chance, but that our lives are held in the hand of his sovereign goodness and love. And there's coming a day when every nation will bow to him. Every knee will bow, won't it? Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Uh, Putin and Biden and, and uh, Xi Jinping and, and every, every ruler of the world, you'll see them bowing in worship, bowing, trembling, acknowledging that Jesus Christ alone is Lord. Isaac Watts captured this in his hymn, Jesus shall reign where'er the sun doth its successive journeys run. His kingdom rules from shore to shore till moon shall wax and wane no more. To be a Christian is to belong to the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it is a kingdom that will endure forever. And the wonder is that this is a very, um, this is the ultimate and infinitely compassionate king. Verse a stanza four, we read uh, the character of our king. He delivers the needy when he calls, the poor and him who have, has no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy, saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence, he redeems their life, and precious is their blood in his sight. The hallmark of our king is compassion. He uses his great power to deliver the needy and his vast riches to redeem their life from oppression and violence. Now, we know from, uh, from Scripture that Solomon himself fall, fell far, far short of that ideal. Uh, in fact, after Solomon had passed, and Rehoboam became king, uh, the men of Israel gathered together and came to Rehoboam, and they said to him, the yoke, uh, your father made our yoke heavy, that Solomon had, had, had been a burden, in a sense, to the people. What a blessing to know that the royal son, King Jesus, fulfills this ideal in every way. He is the compassionate king par excellence, a king who has compassion on those in need, you read in the Gospels, for instance, in Matthew 14, 14, Jesus goes ashore and he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. Jesus saw the brokenness uh, caused by the fall and his heart uh, went out to, in, in concern and compassion and he met the need. In Mark 6, again, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. They were lost. They were ignorant. They hadn't been taught. They'd been misled by their spiritual leaders. And Jesus' heart goes out to them. And he begins to teach them the truth of God. He's a compassionate Savior, compassionate King. And of course, uh, the needy uh, are not just the physical needy, but those, the greatest need of all is our need to be delivered from the judgment uh, of sin, the judgment of, of condemnation. We need to be rescued from the fall. And so we read in the book of Hebrews that Jesus came to deliver those who, who through fear of death, were subject to lifelong slavery. Uh, the great need is, is to be reconciled to the God who made us. The great need is to be delivered from the sins uh, that have been imputed to us through Adam and the sins that we've committed. And that's what Jesus came to do to give his life as a ransom for many, to reconcile us to his Holy Father through his own blood and body. 
And so Jesus' friend stands in stark contrast to the oppressive rulers in the world that we see, the rulers who lay heavy yokes on the backs of their people. Remember what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, 28, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light, and you shall find rest for your souls. Friend, do you know the rest that Jesus gives? Have you taken on yourself the easy yoke of Jesus? The yoke of submitting to his word, the yoke of depending upon him, the yoke of of going to him with your needs, your prayers, your confessions, and finding him to be a faithful, compassionate, true king and savior and friend? Are you experiencing the beautiful, easy yoke that Jesus gives? Do you know the rest that he provides? Do you know the blessings that come from him? Isaac Watts, again, blessings abound where'er he reigns. The prisoner leaps to loose his chains. The weary find eternal rest, and all the sons of want are blessed. That's the king that we have in Jesus. Solomon prays, finally, for a king blessed by God. The fifth stanza is a prayer for God to just pour out his blessings on this great king with long life and riches, verse 15 with abundance, both in, in, in grain and citizens, verse 16, and with eternal fame, verse 17. May his name endure forever. His fame continue as long as the sun. May people be blessed in him, and all nations call him blessed. Isn't that what you long for, Jesus? Isn't that your prayer? Father, may the name of Jesus endure forever. May the fame of Jesus continue as long as the sun. May all eternity be spent in the worship and the praise and the adoration of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus, the one who loved me and gave his life for me, the one who rules and reigns over the kingdom of God. That's Solomon's prayer. And God has heard and answered those prayers, of course. He's given his son, the king, long life. Jesus has defeated death and will never, ever die again. He's given Jesus all the riches of the world, both abundance of the the material wealth of the world, of course, but but the citizens. Uh, We're told that that uh, there's a countless throng of saints gathered before the throne, a multitude that no one can number. All belonging to Jesus, from every tongue and tribe and nation, all exalting in the glory of his name. Jesus is a king who will receive forever the praise that belongs to him. And that should, that should just fill our hearts with great joy. And the, the psalm concludes then where it began. It concludes with God. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. And blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The doxology concludes both the psalm and the second book of the Psalter. You'll find these uh, verses showing up at different places in the Psalter. But this is the believer's song, the Christian's prayer. Blessed be the Lord, the covenant God, who has chosen his covenant people. Uh, Blessed be God in the church. May, May God's name be praised. May Jesus' name be praised. Blessed be the Lord who alone does wondrous things. The the idea there is uh, wondrous things. The the idea is things that the human mind cannot comprehend or explain. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? Who has given him instruction? 
Who can understand uh, the, the, the mystery of God that, that he would so love this lost, rebellious, wicked world and that he would send his very own son to purchase and redeem us for himself? The wondrous things of God. Blessed be God for all that he has accomplished for us in Jesus. And blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory, that it's not sufficient for a Christian, that Jesus only be worshipped in my heart, or Jesus only be worshipped in my home, or Jesus only be worshipped in my church. But the heart of a Christian longs for Jesus to be worshipped everywhere. Everywhere there are sentient creatures. Everywhere there's a a mouth that that can speak. That over all the world and in the, in the, in the heavenlies, that the angels themselves, that, that Jesus Christ would be worshipped. Jesus would be praised. That's the prayer. That's the longing. May the whole earth be filled with His glory. Is there anything you want more than that? Is there anything more precious? May the whole earth be filled with the glory of Jesus. As we live in a broken world, where there's so much suffering, so much sin, so much that's not the way it should be. We long for this, the day when Jesus' glory will be revealed from sea to sea. And we know that one day it will be. Right now, we, we, we sense and see the glory of God and the beauty of His created things. We, we sense and see the glory of God in Scriptures and the face of His Son. But, but Paul says we see through a glass darkly. But one day it's going to be evident, it's going to be clear, the whole earth is going to be filled with His glory. A day is coming when this broken and ruined earth will be rolled up like a scroll. A day when time will be no more. The dawn of heaven will break. And we shall step into the glory of the presence of God. There's a day coming when we will see Jesus face to face and we will live with our glorious Savior and King. And our response to that is amen and amen. So be it, Lord. So be it, God. May this this be true. And then to live under that amen, to live with that wish. You see, to have our, our hearts set on what is yet to come, will give you great patience as, as we live in the here and the now, in the brokenness that we experience, because we know that this brokenness is not forever. It'll give you great hope as you battle with your own sin, as you know that, that the work that God has begun in you, He's going to carry out to completion. There's going to come a day when you are going to be presented without spot and with great joy in the presence of God. It teaches us to live with patience. It teaches us to live with hope. To live with longing for the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. And those who hope, have, have put their hope in him, the Bible says, you will not be ashamed. The day will come. Jesus the King will return. And the world will be as it ought to be. To the glory of God, forever and ever. Amen. Well, Father in heaven, I thank you for what you have accomplished in Jesus. I thank you for the kingdom of God. The kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. And I thank you, Father, that you have invaded this fallen world, your fallen world. You've invaded it in Jesus Christ, and you've begun this glorious new thing. And it will grow and grow until one day it explodes into a new heaven and a new earth. And that, Jesus, you are today sovereignly at work 
over our lives. You are at work gathering your elect. You're at work building up your church. You are, uh, Lord, overseeing and ruling in all the affairs of the nations. And Jesus, I thank you that one day you will come again and judge the world in righteousness. We pray, O oh Jesus, that you would have compassion on the poor today. And I pray, Lord, that the needy, when they cry out to you, will, will, will find that you, that you care and you hear. So, Lord, sustain us in our lives in this world. But, O oh God, fix our eyes and our hearts on the world to come. That we live with patience, that we live with hope, that we live with joy. And one day soon, we will live with Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus, come quickly. In your name we pray, amen. We're going to sing Isaac Watts' hymn, Jesus Shall Reign Where'er the Sun. Let's stand together, sing the first two and verses four and five. We'll uh, conclude by singing uh, the words of the ending of Psalm 72. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Receive the blessing of your God. Now the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be and abide with you all till Christ come again. Amen.